Welcome. Oh, here we go. That works. Welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. If you're a visitor, a guest, I'd like to just extend a welcome to you. There should be a card in the pew right in front of you. And if you would, just fill that out uh, with some information. We'd love to have just a record of you being here, be able to reach out to you, pray for you, see if there's anything that we can do for you. And the offering baskets on the back, if you would drop that in at the end of service as you're, as you're offering to us this week, we, this, this morning, we would greatly appreciate that opportunity. And so I just want to extend a welcome to you. We have a few things real quick to talk about uh, this evening. We will be back up here. Uh, just for a moment, and then we're going to be going out. And so we're going to go uh, and outreach a, a local ministry uh, called Under His Wings and go seek to serve them and to serve uh, folks who live around this local ministry. And so we're going to meet up here about 530 so that we can talk about what we're going to do and then split up and go and go out to this ministry here in Spanish Fort. And so if uh, we'll be doing some work around the grounds, uh, some, some yard work, and if you have a shovel or some gloves, uh, just little implements like that, if you would bring those, and uh, that would be a great help uh, to make sure that everyone has something to do. And uh, if you don't, that's fine. There's plenty of other things to do, plenty of other ways to serve uh, this evening. We'll be praying for a neighborhood that's right around there and and then also doing some other other things. And so I want to invite you back this evening at 5.30. We'll get started over in the gym and, uh, and head that way. All right. So that's this evening. And uh, we, we have been uh, memorizing. Oh, I have some more things up here. So uh, the, uh, there will be a bonfire this week for men and dad and sons and dads. And so this, this Friday... And so uh, at Steve Birch's house at 6.30, and want you to be aware and uh, that it, if you need more information, let us know. Uh, give me a holler, and we'll, we'll share that information, where to go. That's this Friday, and then next Saturday, uh, another ministry we partner with in the area, Women's Care Medical Center, has their Walk for Life Saturday morning. And so I want you to be aware of that ministry and, and that activity this next Saturday, and, and that you are invited to that. And there's information in the back about that. And so, as we've been memorizing scripture, and as we just sung, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who by his shed blood, he, he paid, there we go, oh, he paid for sin's penalty and for, for the sin of the world. We are looking at a text in 1 John and memorizing these two verses in, uh, in 1 John chapter 1 about Jesus and what he has done. And so, let's recite them. Let's recite them. In 1 Timothy, we're instructed to publicly read the scripture, and so it may be uncharacteristic for you to, to recite a reading and to publicly, out loud, as a group, uh, may feel awkward, but it's biblical and it's a good practice. And so, would encourage you to join with me here as we as we read these two verses out loud uh, and in an effort to, to commit them to memory. So if you would join with me. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 8 through 9. One more time. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. So, he is faithful and just. God is faithful and just. A promise that you can trust that if you go to him because of Jesus, the person, because of the Son who exists, who is alive, who sits at the right hand of the Father awaiting the call and the command to return, that he is faithful. He will forgive you if you confess, you agree with him, and you come to him for forgiveness. And that it is just A criminal isn't just forgiven. Our sin is not just wiped away without a cost. He paid that cost. The person of Jesus, he himself, who is made like you and me, yet without sin, he gave his life. Physically, at a point, gave his life, his pure, perfect, with infinite value blood, his life he shed for you and for me, that our sins could be paid for and that the justice of God could be met. Confess your sins. Turn to him. Trust in what he has done. Only in his mercy, only in his sacrifice is there forgiveness. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your grace. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve a bit of your mercy. None of us do. God, you are faithful. You are good. and It is out of an abundance of your love and your goodness that you have that you have sent your son to be the savior of the world, that you have sent him, that he would take flesh and walk among us, he would dwell among us, and that he gave his life on the cross. Lord God, I thank you. And Father, I ask that God, you would lead us this morning. You would guide us in faith. You would guide us, Lord, before the cross. That God, we would humble ourselves before you in repentance. You would gift us repentance from our sins from our selfishness, that God, we would trust in your son by your grace. And so, Father, draw us this morning, speak to us from your word, and lead us and guide us for your glory. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to sing, as we continue to worship. So 
yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Father, it is you in us. God, you in us who works. It is only by your grace that we can do the works that you have prepared before us. Father, help us to serve you. God, that our what we do will be focused solely to glorify you. Pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the message, God, that you will give us ears to hear and God hearts to understand. Lord, that we will leave this building better equipped, God, to serve you, God, to be your church. Lord, as we go out tonight to serve, that we will, God, be a light to those around. we will be able to glorify you through it. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It is good to be here this morning. Uh, For those of you that were not here last Sunday, uh, I had... uh, uh, the mother of all uh, migraines, uh, and uh, in God's providence, uh, Matthew, at a he's he's our minute man, okay, uh, and as he said, he was not prepared, but he was prepared by the Lord. God had provided for him, and spoke a great word uh, through him in my place. Uh, I had uh, finally made it home uh, with much nausea after having been here during the Sunday school hour. I took a uh, a phenogran and a and a dramamine at the same time. That sounds like a a good recipe for falling asleep, right? And and then Janet, my wife, called to check on me to see how I was, and it was about ten after ten. And I said, "I'm getting ready to get in the car, and I'm gonna drive back up, and I'm gonna preach." And she's like, "No, you're not." And uh, I'm so glad God worked through you, dear brother. And uh, He is a faithful God, is He not? It is through uh, many tribulations that we will enter the kingdom of heaven, and uh, our world's going through some tribulation right now. And we need to be much in prayer. Uh, We need to ask for wisdom from the Lord on how to pray. Uh, And uh, I know uh, uh, you're grieved. I hope you're grieved in your soul for what is going on. And uh, you will see a few parallels uh, 
in the text of scripture that we're looking at today because uh, we're talking about King Hezekiah and uh, uh, you'll, you'll just see some uh, parallels and I hope you draw those parallels uh, to your soul and ask God to, to speak to you. Also, uh, in, in light of that, uh, we will enter the kingdom of heaven through much suffering and uh, knowing that there is a fellowship of Christ in his sufferings. The chairman of our elders, uh, Billy Miller, uh, had to have surgery on Friday. Uh, it uh, looked like possible tonsillitis on one side it is a, a pretty large growth and he is in extreme pain and waiting for a pathology report on that uh, at the end of the week so uh, we want to be in prayer for he and Arcee uh, and uh, it's uh, you know it's just a tough tough road uh, I had my uh, many of you have had uh, tonsils taken out as an uh, adult, and uh, I did in my twenties, and it wasn't wasn't fun. And uh, Billy's not in his twenties anymore. Okay, and uh, it just gets worse uh, the older you get. And uh, so be in prayer for him. I want to read the text of scripture this morning. The title of the message is "Set Your House in Order," because that's the command that God had given to Hezekiah, and. Uh, we're kind of picking up in the middle of Hezekiah's reign. Uh, we're picking up here in his, the 14th year of his reign. Uh, he was 25 years of age when he began serving as king. Uh, at this particular moment in time, he is 39 years old, and God has told him to set his house in order because he's going to die at 39. And uh, you and I are going to read here his response to that and then God's response to him uh, in his provision. And then we're going to, uh, just to let you know, uh, he passes away at age 54. Uh, so uh, in today's currency of age, uh, that's pretty young. Uh, especially, uh, I, I've already been over to visit my mom this morning. I know you get tired of me talking about mom, but I don't get tired of talking about my mother, okay? She, uh, today is her birthday, finally, and she is 98 today. So I went over there to see her beforehand, and then this afternoon we're going to have a, a party for my mother, okay? Uh, but anyway, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'll be in Isaiah 38. Uh, and apparently you didn't need to hear what I prepared for last Sunday. You had a different message to hear, and I pray that you will hear what God intends for your soul to receive. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And in those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord. In other words, this is a word from God. This is what God wants you to hear. Set your house in order for you shall die and not recover. And then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And he said, please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said, 
go say and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord. Another word from God. The God of David your father says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And behold, I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. Would you, would you join me in, in prayer again? And Father, we do come before you. Lord, uh, looking at a man in a desperate situation, in a desperate moment. Uh, Lord, you have, you have just said to him that uh, uh, he is to prepare things for he is about to die. It is imminent. Death is coming. And Lord, thank you for the example that Hezekiah gives us. And Lord, uh, your word reminds us that you are a prayer answering God. And that in times of trial, in times of tribulation, in times of difficulty, in times of war, in times of sickness, in times of uncertainty, that we know what we are to do. We are to be men and women of prayer. Your house is to be a house of prayer. And you've told us to not worry about anything, but to pray about everything. And uh, you are the God who hears the prayers of your children. And so, Father, we do want to come in behalf of our, the chairman of our elders for, for Billy. And just ask the Lord that you would be his peace and comfort in a very painful time right now for him. And in the fellowship of suffering, may he experience a walk with you that can draw him into what it means to be in a new, fresh understanding of his union with Christ. To know that we've been united with Christ. and We are his. and He is ours. And all that it belongs to him belongs to us. And it is through Him that we find help and strength. We do pray for the church in particular, uh, the church of Jesus Christ that is in the Ukraine and in that area, that you would sustain and strengthen and help and grant wisdom. Lord, we pray that you would intervene in ways that we would know that it is by your mighty hand that you have brought deliverance. And Father, we pray for wisdom to know what to do and when to do, what to say and what not to say, so that in all of this, our Lord would receive the honor and glory that is due His name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do want to just call your attention to the fact that you do have an opportunity if you would like to financially help in the Ukraine crisis that's going on, you can, you can give through Faith Family Fellowship. Uh, uh, if you'll just write a check and put on there the Ukraine crisis uh, or relief for the Ukraine, uh, it will go directly through our mission agency and all the money goes directly to the field. It's, it's, there's no administrative cost that is taken out of that. So if you give a dollar, a dollar makes it there. I mean, can't, <laughs> that doesn't happen in most organizations. Uh, we already have feet on the ground there at Southern Baptist, 
and uh, the supplies are coming through and are reaching uh, people, but there, there's a need for resources. So you can give through the church. Uh, you can go uh, to uh, uh, Alabama Baptist, the state of Alabama's uh, uh, State Board of Missions. You can go to their website. You can give through their website. Uh, and uh, if not through them, you can go to the International Mission Board or the Southern Baptist Convention. They're all the same uh, routing of funds, and they go directly to help uh, in that crisis. So I want you to be aware of that. Uh, just uh, we're, we're starting in the middle of uh, Hezekiah's life right now, as I said. Um, and uh, it's said, it said about Hezekiah that he was a man who did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And I've thought about that statement because it's said about a, a number of people in the Old Testament. They did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. About some other kings, it says they did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, in my flesh, immediately fall into a works for salvation mentality with those statements. And I have to be reminded that we are saved by grace. And so when we talk about Hezekiah being one who did that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, it's because he was in a covenant relationship with God through faith alone in Christ alone. And that's what made him that way. He is going to say some things about himself that almost sound like he's bragging. And uh, there are some who... Uh, and reading their commentary, say he was bragging. He was uh, looking at self-sufficiency. And, and I, I, I don't believe that. And the reason why I don't believe that is because God responds positively uh, to his prayer. And God does not respond to selfishness. God repels pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency. I really believe that Hezekiah is a man who is struggling with something in his life and God is bringing it to his attention and the thing that he was struggling was, with was his own pride because we're going to see that God is bringing him to humility over and over again. It's interesting uh, by way of introduction that the name Hezekiah means uh, the Lord strengthens me. I'm strengthened by the Lord. What a great name. He has a wonderful name, that God would strengthen him. He is the son of Ahaz, and if you'll remember, Ahaz, his father, did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Ahaz means one who grasps after something and is not able to catch it. You know, God has a way through his word and the naming of people to oftentimes to uh, give us an illustration of the, of the relationship of a person's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we see it in these two men, don't we? We see a man who's grasping uh, for something that the world offers and he's never satisfied. He sought relationships with uh, godless kingdoms through Egypt and through Assyria, through Samaria, the northern part where... Uh, uh, it had been uh, the faith of, of the Lord had been watered down and there were very few believers that were there and he had made uh, treaties and agreements that Hezekiah has to live by and yet Hezekiah is a man touched by grace and in relationship with the Lord himself and he is one who is strengthened by the Lord 
Um, it is said about Ahaz, he was one that uh, the Lord told him to seek after a sign, you might remember. Seek after a sign, and what does Ahaz say? I'm not going to do that. What was he doing? He, was, he had a word from God, thus says the Lord, ask for a sign, and he says no. It's a revealing of his heart. He is disobedient unto the Lord. And so Second Chronicles uh, 28 tells us about him when he comes to die they, they didn't even bury him in the city. Uh, they did not bring him into the tombs of the king. And uh, they placed him in another place. Uh, he died dishonored. Uh, but in light of that, I want you to see that bad upbringing is no excuse for poor behavior on our part. Okay? Because we do a lot of that in our culture. Uh, we, we blame other people for our bad behavior. Uh, well, it's the parents, it's the family, it, it's the school, it's the, it's the government, it's the this, it's the that. And here is Hezekiah raised in a horrible environment, a man who was godless and uh, set up altars unto Baal up in the mountains and said, this is where you ought to go worship. And yet, who comes out of that? Hezekiah. The man strengthened by the Lord because of a covenant relationship that he was in that his father did not have. Every one of you who are in grace today are here because of Christ. Not because of uh, your intelligence, your moral goodness, uh, not your upbringing. Uh, parents don't take credit for all the bad that your children do because you can't take credit for all the good that they do. Okay? Uh, and so we, we see this. All right, that is a, as an introduction. We're going to see three things this morning. The first thing I want you to see from the text is there's a problem that is here. When we come to this particular passage of Scripture, there is a problem because Hezekiah is told he's going to die. Get your house in order. Get things straightened out. Now, we're not going to go back and uh, rehearse all that has happened before, but it is in the 37th chapter, and we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, that God miraculously intervened. Remember, Assyria is coming against Jerusalem at this particular moment in time. The 37th chapter tells us Sennacherib had sent his generals there to besiege the city of Jerusalem to take them. And they turned to the Lord in prayer, and in the 36th verse, it says, And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. I mean, God intervened, did he not? And there's no way out. The bigger army is coming against the smaller army. It, it, we're talking about an empire that has world renown, the Assyrians. And they've come against not just Israel because Israel now has been shrunk down to just a few uh, that are still in the Jerusalem area who believe in the Lord our God. And yet God intervenes and uh, he does, the scripture says, uh, when, when those soldiers, uh, when the, uh, pardon me, the people in Jerusalem uh, got up the next morning, all those men were dead. What a, what a wonderful reminder that God is in control, that God is sovereign. And, uh, 
And so though there were alliances and treaties that were made, Second uh, Kings 18 chapter one, uh, verses 1 through 7 says, And in the year of Hosea, the son of Elah, I think this will be on the screen, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. It tells us about his mother. His mother's uh, name was, well, you could call it Abby. It means my father, and it's a, it's a reference to the Lord being our father. What a great uh, and godly heritage uh, that is there. It says uh, he's also, uh, she was the daughter of Zechariah, which means the Lord remembers. What a wonderful name. And he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. Understand, he's in a covenant relationship. He is in the lineage of David and he is in a covenant with the God of David. And it says he did what? Verse 4, he removed the high places, the things that Ahaz his father had done. He broke down the pillars. He cut down the Asherah, all these places of... Uh, uh, idolatrous worship he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made why did he do it because people were worshiping it you know I don't we, we, we avoid icons I, I don't know you've noticed that don't you? you you can and the reason why we had we do it is because it's it's so easy to attach our worship to things rather than to God who is spirit and those that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. Okay, by the word, the truth of what God's word said, but in spirit. And so uh, he breaks it into pieces. Uh, verse 5 says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah. So we're looking at Hezekiah's life. We're looking for a man who's in relationship with the Lord, who, yes, struggles with his pride, but in all of that, he is in a grace relationship with his God and Savior. That means if you're struggling with something right, something right now, there's hope in Christ. Amen? Not if. That's you are because we all are and we all have the same problem, don't we? Uh, the same problem that Hezekiah had was his sin problem and the same problem that you and I have is our sin problem. Verse 6 says, he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. But as I said, he had this thorn in his flesh, and that was his great pride. Now, when we go to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 through 16, we're going to see a passage that almost seems like they don't go together. They don't go with what we just read about Hezekiah. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And yet, notice in verse 13, it says, In the 14th year, now understand, we're talking about right before God says to him, Get your house in order. Same year, he says, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came. We read about what happened in the 37th chapter of Isaiah. Sennacherib became, not in person, but sent his generals, his army, to the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, out, 
out away from Jerusalem and said, I have done wrong, withdraw from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will bear. Understand, they're in a, they're in a treaty relationship with one another. They're, they're a vassal kingdom. That means they're subservient to Assyria because of treaties and relationships. I don't know if you can see any parallels at all between what's going on here and what's going on uh, in Eastern Europe right now, but it, it, it's so much like that. So that Hezekiah comes and says, well, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to keep there from being conflict between us. What do you want is what he's saying. And the king of Assyria, verse 14 says, required of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver. I had to look it up, do the math. That's 11.25 tons of silver. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then he says, um, And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found where? I want you to read. Uh, say it out loud with me. In the house of the Lord. Now, what has Hezekiah just done? The man who did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, what did he just do according to the word of God? He went into the house of the Lord and took all the silver, 11.25 tons of silver, not only from the house of the Lord, but also from his own house. And then it says also 30 talents of gold. That's about 325 pounds of gold. Okay, it's not near as impressive, but it's far more valuable, right? Where does he get it from? Well, verse 16 says, uh, he stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorpost that Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Syria. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at Hezekiah here and I go, man, that guy's got a problem. And yet, at the same time, when I get up in the morning and I look in a mirror, or if I take the mirror of God's Word and look in it, I go, boy, that guy's got a problem. He's got a problem with himself. He's got a problem with his sin. He's got a problem with his rebellion. He's got a problem with his own pride. When Christ saved us, he did not remove from us that old man, but put a new nature within us so that he talks about a conflict that goes on inside of us. And we see it personified, I think, in the language of Paul when he talked about the good that I would do, I'm not doing that which I would not do, I find myself doing. Is there any help for me? And the answer is given through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's, a, that's our only hope. And then he continues in the next chapter and says, it is, it is when you walk in the Spirit under His command that you and I find deliverance from ourselves. So we find a man with a problem. But what did he know what to do with his problem? He prayed. So that's number two. Point number two is prayer. He knew where to turn. The Scripture says that he turned to the wall. Now, that just doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But we're talking about a guy, I mean, if I had a wall that I could really just turn around and go, oh, you know, and bang on it. you got to see this man. He is in distress. 
his response to what he knows that he has done and God has come to him and said, listen, you haven't done what a godly king should do. Set your house in order. Get things together because you're going to die. And he turns to the wall and begins to cry out. And he pleads with God the Father. Now, let's go back and see what does he do when Sennacherib comes. Remember the king of Assyria. This is before this moment in time. In Isaiah 37, 14 and following, it says, And Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of God and spread it before the Lord. He's got a letter from Sennacherib telling him, You've got to do certain things or we're going to kill you. This is before the 185,000 Assyrian soldiers have been killed. And Hezekiah did what? Verse 15. Prayed to Yahweh. To the Lord. He knew the Lord was his strength. He had been named. The Lord is my strength. And in a time of desperation... He didn't look to his might. He didn't turn to his armies. He didn't look at his weapons. He didn't look at his wealth. Though he did for a moment, he turns back to the Lord in desperation before a wicked king. And this is what he prays. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim. Where had he learned that? You know, Isaiah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And a cherubim flew over and got a coal and touched my lips and said, I have atoned for your sin. That's where our hope and help is. So he says, uh, you are the God, you alone, and all the kingdoms of the earth, and you have made heaven and earth. He's got a view of God's sovereignty that God's people ought to always have. What's going to put an end to uh, this conflict? It's got to be the intervention of God. You know, this stage, this is a stage. The world is a stage for the redemptive purpose of God. And we forget that. Kiddos, you're hearing about the war going on and Ukraine right now and wondering, you know, why, why is all this happening? And you and I have, we've got to see it as a stage upon which the glory of God is going to be unveiled. How that's going to happen, I don't know. When it's going to happen, I don't know. But we as God's people are to do exactly what Hezekiah did, and that is turn to God in prayer and say, Lord, I'm just spreading it out before you. Somebody's picking on you at school. Somebody's mistreating you at work. You're not getting paid what you're worth. Yada, 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 yada. On and on and on we could go. What do we do as God's people in those moments? We turn to God in prayer. We lay it out before God. He said, no, no, I go and complain. I gripe. You know, I'm the king of gripe. Uh, No, no, that's not what God's people do. God's people go to God with their problem. And that's exactly what Hezekiah does. And... uh, the Lord delivers, as we've already seen. He humbles himself before God, and God answers, and 185,000 soldiers die, and 
Assyria turns away. Now the Lord. What does he do in the face of sickness? We know what he did in the face of Sennacherib. What does he do in the face of sickness? Well, the scriptures already told us in verse 2 of chapter 38. He turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Now, the, the word to pray here, <clears throat> give you just a very short grammar lesson in Hebrew, it's reflexive. Well, what does that mean? What, 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 okay, he uses a particular use of the word to pray in the, in the verb. It's a verb. He prayed. He prayed in such a way that he expects that he has to respond in the answer that God is going to give him. Now, I don't know if that makes any sense to you. He wasn't just saying, Lord, do something and don't involve me in the solution. When he prayed, he literally is praying, and I wish they'd have translated it this way, uh, that is, Lord, I'm praying in such a way that I expect you to come and do it, but I know you're going to involve me in the change process. Actually, you're going to do what? Change me. And Hezekiah is changed by God's answer to his prayer. So that the fifth verse that we read a moment ago says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God your father, of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have heard your prayer. You see, God does what he does in Hezekiah's half for his own glory and because of a covenant relationship that he had made with David. You and I have to remember God is not obligated to do what he does in our behalf apart from his covenant. Now what's a covenant? It's a promise. It's a covenant that you and I have entered into if we're believers and followers of Jesus Christ. It is a new covenant in his blood. And you're in a covenant with him through faith in Christ. And it is out of that covenant that God is going to do what he's promised to do, and that is answer our prayer in such a way that he gets the glory for it all and his covenant relationship with us is revealed to the world around us. Now, that, to me, that's exciting. That makes life worth getting up the next morning, okay? Even when you're in pain, even when you're in trouble, even when you're going through trials, because, point number three, he is our protector, Okay? Hezekiah had a problem. He turned to the Lord in prayer, and God becomes his protector. Uh, remember, um, his, his dad, didn't, he, he didn't respond to God. But what does, how does God, in the light of Sennacherib, because I want to just pull up Sennacherib again. What does God do? How does God reveal himself? Remember, his dad was told to look for a sign, and he didn't do it. Hezekiah doesn't ask for one, but what does God do? Well, look, look at Isaiah 37. In the context of Sennacherib, the Assyrian army coming against them, before the 185,000 are killed, and it says in verse 30, And this shall be a sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that, in other words, the the next harvest that comes out of what's growing this year. And uh, then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. 
And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And then verse 32 tells us the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What's he saying? Here's going to be the sign. (laughs) Sennacherib's going to be run out of town. And you are going to be a part of God's great harvest. As the church of Jesus Christ right now, and when I say church, I'm talking about the called out of God. Every believer, there's often church within a church, right? You, you know what I mean? Not everybody that goes to church is a part of the church. They're not all born again. They're not all in that covenant relationship. That's the way it's always been. It's the way it always will be until the Lord comes back. But the church of Jesus Christ right now, the church in America, is struggling. It's struggling against the, 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 the push to go contrary to God's word, God's will, God's ways. And we're struggling with our own selves in light of that. God is calling us to prayer and we're not praying as we ought. Now, um, time's almost up. My, my wife, uh, after, our, after our boxer passed away, no, before our boxer passed away in December, uh, she uh, said, we need to get a new one. So she ordered a puppy. And uh, he weighs about 35 pounds right now, and he's 30 pounds of him as legs, 5 pounds as body. When he, was, when he was just little, he was sitting in the crate beside her head. We elevated it up at night so he didn't have to be alone. And he'd look at you with those pitiful eyes. Till finally my wife said, what? Take a guess. We're going to put him in the bed with us. Which is okay for a couple of weeks. And last night... He hollers out about 11.30. I'm already asleep. He hollers out, wakes me up. About 2 o'clock, I feel this pushing on my back. Okay? Right before 3 o'clock in the morning, he's on my head. I mean, he's literally wrapped around my head. And I'm like, okay, evidently God doesn't want me to sleep. Because surely my wife has not made a poor choice, right? God doesn't want me to sleep. What does God want me to do? I really, literally, I'm sitting there struggling. Do I kick the dog out of the bed? What am I supposed to do? And it's as if the Holy Spirit says to me, pray. You're preaching on praying. You're talking about responding to God in prayer. And here you are. You got the chairman of your elders in extreme pain right now. We've got a search team looking for my replacement. We've got, a, we've got a nation in crisis. We've got a world in crisis. Are you laying things out before the Lord? And the answer is, not like I should. God is calling us to that. So in the face of Sennacherib, he does that which is right. God comes to be his provider and destroys the enemy in in the face of his sickness, how does his, his provider respond? When the word of the Lord came to Isaiah in, 
in verse 4 of Isaiah 38. He says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. He is the faithful one. He is our deliverer. Now, I've heard one sermon after another sermon after another sermon over the years about how wrong it was for Hezekiah to make this prayer. And because Hezekiah made this prayer, he had, to this point, no heir to follow him in his kingship. And therefore, he has the son Manasseh afterward, and he should never have prayed this, and God should apparently not have intervened. I have, a, I, I have problems with that. And, and so he, uh, Manasseh becomes one of the worst kings that Israel had known. It's not the worst. It's uh, uh, his, son, uh, his son. Okay? So uh, I was going to use this illustration, but I don't have time for it. <laughs> I was going to talk about Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. For those of you that know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm... There, there's more to the story than, than just this, okay? By the way, his, uh, his radio program ended only in uh, 2008 when he was 89 years of age. So, you know, even some of young people know who Paul Harvey was who would come to the rest of the story. There, there's more, so much more about what happens in Hezekiah than the fact that he shouldn't have prayed this prayer. No, he did pray the prayer properly. He turned to the Lord. He laid it out before God. And God in his providence responds and extends his life. Hezekiah is not responsible for the evil of Manasseh. Manasseh is responsible for his evil response, okay? Parents, take a little heart to that, okay? He's not responsible for it. In extending his life 15 more years, he has a grandson by the name of Amon. And Amon is a great word. It means faithful. But Amon becomes the worst king in in, uh, Judah. Uh, It says about Amon that he did not humble himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself Manasseh was evil we're talking about Hezekiah's son when Hezekiah's son who was born during this 15 year period of time becomes king he he does evil in the eyes of the Lord but that's not the end of the story the end of the story is he turns to the Lord Manasseh returns unto the Lord. Second Chronicles 33 records it for us. It says the, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, and, and yet they paid no attention because he had been an evil man. But then verse 13 of that passage says, He prayed to him, and God was moved by whose entreaty? Manasseh's entreaty. Manasseh returns to the Lord. God hears his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem. And then it concludes by saying, Then Manasseh knew that Yahweh, the Lord, was God. There's a renewal and revival that takes place in Manasseh's life. It's not the end of the story that, oh yeah, he shouldn't have done that. No, he should have done what he did 
And in that, God shows His loving grace. And He redeems Manasseh. This guy who's evil for a long time in his life. But God, out of His love and His mercy, extends an invitation to him. So that Second Chronicles 33, and it won't be on the screen, but it says, And he, Manasseh, took away the foreign gods and the idols from the house of the Lord. What his... What he had already done and defiling the house of God. He took down the ones that he had built up on the mountain. And uh, he also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offering and thanks offering. And commanded Judah to serve the Lord his God. Now the conclusion. Okay. So we've had a, we've had a problem Knew what to do to turn to God in humble prayer because our pride is going to kill us. And then number three, know that God is going to be our provider in His providence and in His grace and in His mercy. So that Second Chronicles earlier on had said this, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless. Toward him. It depends on what translation you uh, read from. Uh, it may give a different word for blameless, but, but the original word in the Hebrew is the word uncut. Uncut, unbroken. It, 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 it's, it's in its state and unbroken. And when you built an altar unto the Lord, God gave a requirement in building an altar unto the Lord. And that was every stone had to be. Blameless, uncut. What happens in Hezekiah's life, what happens in Manasseh's life, because of the grace of God, they set their house in order by turning to the Lord. You see, Hezekiah didn't go, now, okay, i got to get my house in order. Do I have a DNR? Y'all know what a DNR is. Do not resuscitate. Do I have a living will? Do I have a will? Do I have enough money for my kids and grandkids to live off of? Do I have all the deeds? That's not what he did. I'm not saying those things aren't important in this life. But what he did was he turned to the Lord. So I want to ask you today in conclusion, is your house in order? Are we turning to the Lord? Are we desperate for Christ? Are we turning to him and saying, Lord... I want to do something about what's going on in the other part of the world. Well, do something about it. Do exactly what God tells us to do about it. What are we to do? Pour our hearts out before the Lord. Lay it out before the Lord like Hezekiah did. Pray desperately to the Lord. Oh, God, we don't trust in chariots and we don't trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. We are turning to you. Oh I, oh, I know if I could get a missile and I could write Putin on it. I know exactly what I'd do with it. I'd shoot it right at him. I'd say, I'd call him right now and say, I, man, I got a missile headed your way and it's got your name on it. That's not God's way. Getting your house in order is for you and I to humble ourselves before the God who is our provider. The God who is our protector. God who in his providence will do what you and I cannot do. 
But we need to become desperate like Hezekiah did and desperate like Manasseh did and said, I got a problem. The problem is me. But God's given me prayer, a channel to connect with the eternal God who can say to a fly on one end of the planet, fly to the other side of the planet. And you know what that fly will do? Exactly what God tells him to do. Is that the God that you and I are serving? Are you in covenant relationship with him? Has Christ become your Savior and your Lord? And uh, the way a person does that is faith in God's grace. God's provision through His Son, Jesus Christ, we enter into by faith alone. And God is calling some, maybe some of our children, maybe some of those that are online and listening, come to humble yourself before God and to call upon the name of the Lord. He calls out, we hear and respond by faith in Christ, and He will save. And then as God's people, we walk by faith, by trusting Him. For everything. So, Father, we come to this moment to respond. We must respond to the truth of your word, for it is so clear in a time of crisis in Hezekiah's life and then later in Manasseh's life that there was nowhere else to turn but to you. Oh, they could have gone other routes, and at times they had, like Hezekiah robbing the temple of the house of the Lord but he had to come to say I was wrong and I I come to the Lord I come to my provider I come to my protector I come to my savior and I plead for his intervention and oh God may you do that save the lost strengthen the saved humble us as we humble ourselves before an almighty God and then Lord show yourself strong and faithful so that you receive the glory and the world knows that we are people that are in a covenant relationship with you because you have loved us with an everlasting love And you have drawn us with cords of compassion. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.